gamers, and welcome back to Recently Played, a show on the incomparable all about games we've played in a time close to now. I'm Tiff Arment, <laughs> your host for this round, and I have a creepy crew of gnomes joining me today to discuss little nightmares. I would like to first introduce Brian Hamilton. Hello, Brian. Hi, would you like a sausage? Oh, no, we will get into that. <laughs> and also, hello and welcome, James Thompson. Hello, I was I was going to say I'm ready to eat the sausages made of children, but <laughs> <laughs> so many sausage references. We will get into that, I'm sure. But first, I want to say that Little Nightmares is a dark and creepy puzzle-driven platformer developed by Tarsier Studios and can be played on most platforms. The player, as six, a hungry little girl in a yellow rain slicker, journeys through the twisted bowels of a ship called the Maw, and there's also a DLC that adds additional chapters from the parallel perspective of another character known as the kid. Okay, let's break down this spooky little game. So um, I would love to go through and talk about this because the three of us have played and there is a bunch of amazing little delightful things in this game as well as some interesting gameplay, the characters, the plot, the art, the music. Um, Let's get into it. Uh, the first thing I want to ask you both is what platforms did you play it on? I played on Switch and it didn't run particularly great. <laughs> I also played on Switch and the load times were atrocious. And yep. I'm super disappointed that I didn't get achievements. I had no achievements. <laughs> I'm very upset about this. And it is forcing me to then go and play it again on PlayStation. Forcing me. <laughs> uh, I played it on PlayStation 5 and there was no loading time at all. Oh, James. Fancy, fancy boy up there with his PlayStation 5. (laughs) (laughs) One of the only ones in Scotland, I think. But other than that, I think overall the gameplay is pretty straightforward, being that it's kind of like a a platformer-based game with a lot of puzzles. I was reading about this game and something that stood out to me, which I think is a nice little nod to actually the, the tone of the game, is that the developers referred to a lot of the gameplay as hide-and-seek style, which I really liked. Instead of calling it stealth, which indicates that the protagonist that you're playing as has some sort of power, but in being that you're playing as a child, the idea that you're playing hide-and-seek with a lot of the um, the stealth elements to this gameplay, I, I love that it's referred to in these childish terms. And that's what it is, because it feels like it gives you that sense of um, urgency and uh, fear as something's coming after you because it does feel like you are hiding and then seeking. You are never wondering where the monsters are. They're very big and you can see them. You're worried about if the monster can see you. You are the seeky in the hide-and-seek metaphor. Yeah, there were certainly a lot of times where I knew exactly what I wanted to do. You know, it's like, oh, I just need to get a key from there and put it in that lock. And that's fine. But then... Yeah, you have to deal with things. I was trying to find the tweet, the the message that I sent to Tiff as I started playing this, um, which I probably cannot read out in full on this podcast. But, <laughs> uh, I was basically complaining about the long armed people, which I had just as I started playing. I think one of the things, like. I love the design of the visual game and all all of the parts of it. The one thing that I'm not entirely certain that I like is the gameplay. Hmm. I like all the, the, the puzzles, and I think the DLC was actually a lot more successful than some of the things in the main game, because we'll get to that later. But the thing that stuck out to me, there's two things that I don't like about the game. I'm going to start there and then we'll say nicely. <laughs> the controls are quite sort of floaty, and I had a I fell off things a lot. And one of the things that I, I was looking up the studio and they worked on a lot of Little Big Planet DLC and they did a Vita port of Little Big Planet. And it reminded me in a way of the sort of floaty jumping and things of that game. The other thing that I really didn't like is the checkpointing in this game is bad. It's like, do a very hard thing. Great, I've done it. Oh, I've fallen off a ledge. Well, you have to do the whole thing again. I was very frustrated by that as well. I have in my notes checkpoints, question mark, because it doesn't (laughs) even feel like that there are checkpoints at all. And it's just a a gift from the developer gods, like bestowed on you that like, oh, it just happened to save here. I started to wonder, like, because there's the the lamps and there's the bottles and the DLC. And I was like, is that 
is that how you check point? Is that the saving? And things like that. I wasn't sure. But uh, yeah, eventually you work out. It's like, well, if you go maybe two or three screens on, then it's probably going to save. It seems like a very recent thing that developers are starting to eschew lives and, you know, checkpoints and things in lieu of making things really easy to replay. Things like Celeste, Fez, recent Mario games, especially lives are almost non-existent. I appreciate that those games are able to get you right back into the action as quickly as possible and not make you feel frustrated like we mentioned with the switch there were boss fights that i was doing where the load times for the game would be longer than my attempts at trying to beat this boss and i would die before i was able to actually do anything and have to wait another 30 seconds to reload i think that the ps5 definitely helped in that but i did die a lot there was some of those bosses where it was like okay i know what i'm trying to do and it would take me like 15 times like particularly at the end of the dlc tiff will uh, agree with me on this um though i think we both rage quit a couple times <laughs> yes i do too <laughs> but i mean i i liked I, I like the puzzles i mean like we, we've talked about um inside before which i think is you know certainly one of my favorite games of of this kind of genre and this echoes a lot of inside especially in the dlc there's a point where you're being sort of there's an underwater thing trying to grab you and pull you down and all this um and i i like i like a lot of this game it's just i wish like the you know because this they did a remaster kind of thing or not really a full remaster but the, the sort of collected edition complete edition yeah. complete edition and i wish they just tweaked a few things with the checkpoints and a few other things and it would have made this much better but i did also enjoy it even if i cursed tiff a number of times (laughs) what drew me to this game was definitely the art style and the gameplay of it like i love creepy games i really like platformers i love puzzles just everything about this game said this game's for tiff (laughs) and the gameplay, you're right, had a lot of frustrating moments where I think that I've played much more refined games in mm. kind of the same realm. Like you were saying, Inside it's definitely one of them. And I have the hope, I hope, I hope, for the next one for Little Nightmares 2, which is kind of why we all played this game in the first place yeah. in anticipation of playing the sequel prequel <laughs> of this game. And I wanted to get like the sense of the world first before diving into the new one. So I'm really hoping that a lot of these gameplay elements that we're finding a little tricky, and I completely agree with all of your assessment, James. I've found the same things very frustrating, but not frustrating enough for me to like quit the game and not play it because I just love the art style and the vibe of it so much. So I'm really hoping that in the next one, a lot of these things are worked out because it seems like very minor things. Um, Maybe it's Mm. the size of the game studio that we're dealing with here or the fact that this is like their first big game. As you said, they previously worked on a few DLC areas for other, another game, but this one is the only one that's really notable on their list of, uh, of releases. The one other thing that I would uh, highlight, because I I went and looked up what they'd done before, there's a PlayStation VR game called Static, and I love that. And it's a it's a sort of it's a a VR puzzle game where you basically have a box strapped to your hand, so you're holding the controller, but if you look down, you've got a box, and you're in a you're in effectively. I know how to make Tiff want to play this game. You're in a sort of testing center. Yes, (laughs) speak to me. (laughs) <laughs> and you have to solve a, a number of puzzles in this thing and like sometimes Say slightly mean things to me <laughs> <laughs> well there is in fact uh, a, a man who's standing there who you can't see his face it's all blurred out who's sort of um taking you through tasks and and uh indeed not quite as glados mean but uh it it, it has some portly elements to it and it was one of my first VR experiences, and I really enjoyed it. So seeing that it was the same people who did that, I was like, oh, okay, that, that's interesting to know. We're getting all of our complaints out about the game early, mm-hmm. so later on we yeah. can sing our praises of the character design and uh, atmosphere and atmospheric storytelling. Uh, the other thing that irked me about this game, which I have noticed as well with Inside and Limbo, uh, which are two of my favorite games as well, 
when you are doing scary puzzle things and you have to keep retrying things in order to see if you can do well with them, the scares wind up not working as well after many, 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 many attempts at trying to do a puzzle. And it starts to wear off a bit, which I wish I could have been a little bit better at the game so that the scares could have landed better as you pace through the game properly. I mean, I think all of us hit on problems like that through it. And there was bits where it was like, I just couldn't work out what to do. And I didn't want to look up a solution. And it's like Tiff gave me a hint at one point, And I think I gave her a hint back on something else. Because we were both playing roughly at the same time. And she'd be ahead for a bit. And then I'd be ahead for a bit. <laughs> um, and I don't know how you solve that problem of you have, you know, like, there's a number of sequences in this where you're being chased. And if you mess up any part of it, then that's you. And then there are other bits where it's kind of you left to your own devices and you're trying to solve a puzzle. And I, I, I liked the you're trying to solve a puzzle in a creepy place slightly more than the, the sort of boss fights. Mm-hmm. I am a naughty, naughty, cheaty boy and had a guide with me as I played through the game. It, every time I got stuck on something and I didn't know how to proceed, I would go to a guide and feel frustrated that that was the solution. Whether there was a switch I couldn't see or a platform I didn't know I could jump on, something about the way that those puzzles are laid out did not make sense to me and felt a little unfair. What I will say, because I played Little Nightmares 2 already, all of that is fixed. I didn't look at a guide at all for Little Nightmares 2, so it good, gets a lot good. better in that way. The, the one that got me was like the with the long-armed guy when there's the box, you know, like his arms are sticking out. Uh, and I was like, okay, I need to get rid of that box somehow. And I was like pushing it in the middle and trying all these things. And it's like, all right, now I need to pull the side bits off. And I just, that I didn't get that. Um, yeah, the interactable elements of this game, sometimes they're hidden. And then sometimes it's like, oh, I can touch this now in this scenario. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know if that's either a delight or a frustration. It depends on how you like being tricked as a player i think mm-hmm. when i play i often like being tricked <laughs> like, <laughs> i think that that's like a little bit of the fun of it and it's just like the way that the uh you can interact with the level itself like the room one room will be completely static like a fourth wall like bisected ship view and you can only go you know left or right or possibly climb one thing and then there are these other rooms that you can turn the corner and all of a sudden like you're coming towards the camera and like the fourth wall is moving back with you and then there's like a secret room over there with you know a collectible hidden in it so it was kind of fun that they built into the gameplay kind of these little exploration areas that yeah. you didn't necessarily need to go to. But if you started getting in the habit of finding them and looking for them, I think then you also got in the habit of uh, working your way through the puzzles in kind of a way that you're like, I wasn't able to do this, you know, four five screens ago, but let me see if I could do this now. And um, sometimes I would end up getting lost behind scenery. Like I'd get stuck (laughs) and I can't like see where my character was. But again, I I felt like that um, all tied into the, the hide and seek, the, um, the, the scary journey of like, I don't know where I am. I'm a character who is moving through this world, looking for a way out. I don't know what's behind every turn. I kind of feel like you're, meant to be in this constant state of uh, a little bit of fear, a little bit of panic, a little bit of like, how can I work my way out of this? And I think all of those um, tumultuous gameplay elements that kind of jar the player, it's the way the character feels. And I always play games like that. I always excuse some of the fault coming, like the, the some of the faults in the gameplay development for plot points almost (laughs) (laughs) or like character development or or just story or or ambiance so um so i was okay with it because i enjoyed the game so much one thing i do want to ask everybody about is uh since we're talking gameplay first are the collectibles did you find yourselves looking for the collectibles or were you frustrated not knowing why you were collecting them because that's where I started. I'm like, I don't know why I'm collecting these. I'm getting no indication of what they are or where they are, how many there are, but I still did it anyway. 
I think I worked out like halfway through the game that they were collectibles because I was just like lighting these lamps whenever I came across them. It's like, well, you know, I'm in a dark place. I'm going to light a lamp. That makes sense. And then I think in the menus or something, there was a reference to them. And I was like, oh, right. These are hidden collectibles. So I don't have like the first half of them. (laughs) And well, I'm probably not going to go back and find them. Although you can do the chapter thing and go back. Um, but yeah, I did, I did like that, but I didn't, I didn't feel the need to hundred percent it. Um, at this point I was just trying to sort of get past whatever horrible creature was trying to eat me. (laughs) I did none of the collectibles. Once I realized there were collectibles relatively early on in the game and I found a gnome in a side room or something, I hugged it, realized, oh, this is another thing I can do. I'm going to kind of ignore it and not like go out of my way to look for it because, Stopping to do that kind of meta game, thinking about the secrets in the place winds up ruining my immersion in the place and the story. So I try to like in story based games like this limbo inside, you know, the Annapurna games, Edith Finch gone home. I wind up not thinking too much about completion and video gamey things and more. I want to enjoy the level design and character design. I love that the three of us are kind of like slightly different players in the sense that we like we can talk about the different areas. But um, I do want to list some of the collectibles in case anybody is interested who is listening to this game. And we are going to be spoiling everything. Everything. If you haven't guessed that already. So collectibles I have listed, and this includes the DLC because I'm kind of mentally and for the show, including the DLC as part of this full game because i think it gives a larger picture of the entire story i have thoughts (laughs) (laughs) excellent i love your thoughts so the collectibles include lanterns candles hugs from gnomes uh the flotsam jars and the lady statues so those are kind of the ones that i listed that i that i found out so um and i did not do super well i thought i got a lot of them and i did not (laughs) so We have um, two main playable characters in this game. Six, the first character that you play as, kind of in that yellow rain slicker. And I love the art style of that. And like, she is so bright. Um, Also, I, you know, not to gender a faceless video game character, but I had no idea that it was a she at all. I just thought child. Um, Did anyone see like where that was said? Or is it said at all in the beginning or... Did I miss it? I don't know. I think it's extra textual. It's not something I saw in the game. I think the developers have referred to her as she. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, the raincoat's 100% a reference to it, which is one of my favorite things about the game. It's like, oh, there's a creepy child involved in this horror game where there is a child uh, in this really terrible situation. Um, I forget if it's in the first one, DLC, or Little Nightmares 2, but 6 in the yellow raincoat comes upon a little folded up paper boat in a puddle while it's raining i was like that's 110 percent uh it <laughs> i did not know that because i do i hate clowns i will never ever <laughs> ever watch that movie um <laughs> the other character that you can play as your other play your other playable protagonist is known as the kid and i like that they both follow a, a kind of a parallel timeline here and there were a couple instances in the gameplay where you kind of cross each other's paths. And I, I love gameplay like that. I think that that's so fun to see the other side. I even love like when you get a novel from the perspective of a different character, <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, yes, more story. Um, <laughs> Cause I get very involved in like the thing that I like and I just want more of it. Uh, we have some NPCs, which I guess they'd be NPCs, the gnomes, uh, because they kind of parallel move with you at points after you hug them. And, uh, Enemies include the leeches, the long-armed man, the chefs, the thing in the water, uh, uh, the shadow children, and the lady. Did I miss anybody? The Nope, you got everyone, because the one I was thinking, oh, what about the person in the dark that is stalking you? That is the long-armed man. So you do see him twice, both in the main game and the DLC. So I think you got everybody. Um I love these villains and I love the way that Little Nightmares brings you into it by, like you said, it's very childish, very metaphorical uh, to hide and seek. And the way I brought my own uh, past knowledge of this genre of game to it reminded me a lot of Roald Dahl. And the idea of how all of his villains are like, we're going to kill and eat the children. <laughs> it's very one note. And I think they brought that in here with a similar sense of whimsy about the character design and the locations where you are. Like 
the long arm man not being able to see, so you have to walk on soft things and not be very loud, feels very roll dull to me in terms of both character design and the premise for the character. Oh my gosh. I just realized that that's how you get past the long-armed man. Yeah, that is. <laughs> oh, no. I spent the whole... Oh, there was this one part where you have to, like, open up a door and, like, jump into, like, a cellar. That took me, like, a hundred tries because I'm just, like, running around like a loon, like, trying to get away. Oh, and there's that soft area. Oh, okay. This we changes everything. No, no. I I want my failures displayed. This. We're pro gamers here. <laughs> there it is. Hey, it did, hard mode, baby. Hard mode. <laughs> it did take me a while to work out as well. But then I was like, why is there all this white cloth on the ground? And all right. It's like I knew enough not to step on the broken glass. At least that was, <laughs> I, didn't, I wasn't louder, but my little bare slappy feet were all over the place. So w- what was your um, least favorite of the creatures that you encounter? Long-armed man bothers me the most. He was the one that I texted you about late at night. Yeah. But the chefs are really disturbing. And the thing in the water, that always creeps me out. Like the idea of like murky water and you don't know what's in it. And that was very inside. But that was also my favorite part of inside. (laughs) Mm. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, creep in these characters. I didn't like the rooms where you like dropped into a room full of leeches just lots of them i think just the way they kind of move and squelch around um that bothered me but yeah i think that for me the the long island man was definitely the 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 high point slash low point in terms of gameplay mechanics i think the long-armed man annoyed me the most especially with his final boss battle that took me a million tries um, but I loved all of the characters equally in terms of they freaked me out and really scared me. The ones that I think were the most disappointing to me were the chefs, mm. which yeah. I do want to talk about some of the fat phobia in this game as like some of the scares and character design are based in, you know, real people that exist in the world and gluttony and uh, all that stuff is not a good look. Um, I'm looking at you spirited away and Wally, I wish fewer pieces of media used fatness as a uh, indicator of like low character or laziness or gluttony or anything like that. Not a good look, but I love those sequences in the game. They are very well designed aside from that, but I think the character design that disappointed me the most were the chefs. Yeah. I wanted to talk about, so there's um, I guess the, enemy or the other (laughs) members of this uh, story, which we will get into um, what this story actually is. That whole part with the gluttony, now that we have a lot more open-mindedness and vocabulary to talk about these things, that was one of the things that stood out to me that I wasn't quite sure how to take it um, as a, like, I know I'm supposed to be grossed out by these characters, but the idea that gluttony becomes yes it's like one of the seven deadly sins kind of idea that's a very old school way of thinking of all of that stuff um like so yeah i want to talk about that now so uh brian if you want to um you know tell us a little bit more about how you felt about that i would love to hear it no for sure it's it's not something that i think needed to be included in the game if you wanted like hungry patrons in a restaurant to be chasing you they did not have to look that way in a way that mirrors real people every other character in the game is so far removed from reality long-armed man um to an extent the chefs uh they have like a very different body type in that they are um i would argue different from the uh more stereotypically fat human characters in the restaurant and of course the masked lady the geisha oh my god terrified me but (laughs) everything else in the game was far removed enough from reality that it could be taken as not a commentary on real people but as a creepy character design in and of its own right yeah yeah i see that yeah again it was a great sequence running through the um uh the restaurant in that way and i will say that me escaping the restaurant and running through that one hallway 
was timed out so perfectly that that was the one instance of the game where if I had messed up, I would be the most disappointed in having to replay and see that like scare moment again because I, I'm really grateful I was able to do it on the first try and not have to desensitize myself to that scare and that lives on as a highlight gameplay-wise for me in the I, game. As somebody who took about three goes on that, I can <laughs> say that that did happen. I mean, one of the things that, with this is like we haven't really talked about the location of the thing so the moor which is like some kind of ship um slash island and i mean i've I've read up some of the the sort of um discussion about what the actual like setup of this is and it seems to be that the the moor is somewhere where it gets these customers to come in to indulge whatever um they want i guess and that this is some kind of scheme, basically, for the lady to uh, steal their life force at some point. Um, what did you think of like the whole environment, like this place? You can tell this is a post-inside game. I feel like a lot of the maw was taken from that industrial, creepy, dilapidated look of inside. Uh, but it has its own unique identity in terms of the uh, nautical elements of it. The screen moving back and forth very subtly over time. So good. And that tying into gameplay as well. Yeah. I, I like that, that you had to like time for things to swing back and forward. That was really nice. Yeah, that was definitely like a big, interesting element that I think that other games, I've never seen that kind of... <laughs> nauseating like screen rocking uh implemented in other games maybe because game developers were possibly afraid of making their players nauseous i didn't feel sick from it uh but i could see how it could make you feel sick it was subtle enough but yeah i love that they included that in the gameplay i love that that was a huge part of the environment was that you are in this like sh- the bows of the ship submarine island thing that's just like moving with the ocean and like the creaking and the the water sounds like it was all a a real ambiance thing and they included it not just like the soundscapes that you could put in and the the look of it with the art style but the actual movement on the screen that you're constantly watching a screen that is just like slightly rocking it's like when you watch a tv show and they have like the intentional camera jiggle all the time because everything's (laughs) handheld uh for effect reasons this had that it had a camera element to it and i don't remember a lot of games that really give you that extra sensory addition to to the gameplay and to the environment this game gives you enough environmental storytelling details and a vague enough plot overall that as you're playing you can think about and start to think about what that may be and then after you play the game you can take to the internet or podcasts like ours and think (laughs) about the theories and realize oh wait the meat they're doing these like bodies they're they're eating the children oh my god you don't realize that when you're playing but you realize it after the fact and this game is one of those games that is really primed for like taking to forums for theories after the fact because it's vague enough that's my question are the sausages made of children or are the sausages made of the patrons yeah there was a theory i I saw a theory because like just like you said i i got i got hungry for (laughs) for more content and the plot being so shrouded in mystery that it really doesn't reveal a ton it lets you just kind of go through this world there are little clues here and there it depends on how perceptive of a player you are and it does make you want to go back and kind of figure out and put all the pieces together to figure out where you are and what is happening and what's the story of not only the character that you're playing as but everyone else who's in this ship why are they here who are they what are they doing and um yeah i love that you can kind of dive into more of this of this game based on people's online theories uh james sent a great link about like who these characters are and how they're connected to each other and what it means i found a couple youtube videos there is a comic book series actually um uh i believe it's in four parts i wasn't able to find it in print but i was able to find some references to it um so there's a lot of extra information out there about this creepy world that the game studio came up with and i think that that's kind of one of the main intriguing parts of this game is that 
we do have a plot and a location and some characters that are shrouded in mystery. Not all these questions are answered and neatly wrapped up at the end. There's still a lot left out there. And I think it's extraordinarily smart that based on that sense of wanting to come back for more, the DLC is in parallel to the main story, same location, same characters, a different perspective on it, and some very, very different gameplay mechanics as well. <laughs> My argument would be made that the sausages are not the children, because we know what happens to children they get turned into gnomes. Yeah, which we find out that main plot point where we have these little gnomes running around, which are super cute. So in the in the game, they are kind of these little creatures in pointy little hats that run around and seem to help you, but also run away from you when you are playing as six and at first when you're playing as the kid. Um, and then we find out at the end of the DLC that the gnomes are the children or some of the children at least that got turned into them and there was this wonderful nod to that in there's a scene where all of the little gnome people this is in the uh dlc and it's gnome without a g for some reason they needed to be cool about (laughs) it alaska yeah uh whereas if you see the light coming from a furnace and they're all kind of like in this back room you have a one scene where it's like you're not fighting you're not running away from something you're just kind of like chilling with these gnomes who are escaping in like the back walls of this ship and the light is shining and the shadows that are cast from the gnomes are the shadows of children they're child shaped and if you use your flashlight on the children it like shows the shape of children whereas every other time they're just gnome shadows it's it's uh the shadow is representative of the figure but so they have these cool little things like all throughout the game that are just leaving these little breadcrumbs about like the plot and what everything actually is and and who these people actually are i completely missed that when i played i saw a youtube video mentioning that the moment in that furnace room shows the shadows of the children i remember coming into that room and the music change it was supposed to be a big yeah. dramatic moment i saw all the gnomes i was like oh cool just a little gnome room moving on <laughs> and i knew our main protagonist the kid in the dlc uh, i knew they got turned into a gnome i did not realize from that moment that the shadows were children until i saw a youtube video about it uh, a few weeks ago and that melted my brain <laughs> Yeah, I didn't realize it the first either, but like I that room stood out to me. I took a screenshot in that room and I explored it for a really long time because I'm like, this is one of those moments in a game like this where they're letting you breathe for a second. And I appreciate those levels. It's not all like jump scare, go, 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 move, 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 slide, slide, slide. Like they have these nice little breaks in this game, which I really appreciate. And they let you kind of absorb the art style and the music and the like kind of try and figure out a little bit of the story. And the fact that this game added that little extra element of like, who's paying attention? And it doesn't make you feel bad for not paying attention. But it is nice that it's there. And the other thing of at the end of the DLC, when you in that last scene where you're a gnome and you come out and you're in the room with the sausage. Sausage. (laughs) That's the worst part. I hate that realization. I hate it. Fade to black. So good. Yeah, that was a really nice moment of realizing that you are dinner. Yeah, what everyone's referring to is there. Uh, so when you finish, well, in part of the main gameplay, when you're playing as the character six in, in the, the yellow rain suit, um, she comes in and has a choice of eating a sausage or eating a gnome, I guess. I didn't even know that there was a choice of eating a gnome, but it the gameplay takes over for you and you're forced to eat the gnome. And then at the end of the DLC gameplay, you appear to be that gnome that got eaten by the main character. And your story just kind of ends there. Like they just, they completely end it for that character when the first character ends up moving on. And, um, you know, later on, again, big spoilers, escaping the ship in quite a dramatic fashion. No spoilers for What Remains of Edith Finch, but I love when a game makes you, the player, do something you don't want to do in order to make the game move forward. And six, having to eat that gnome in order to like be able to move and walk out of the room and continue the game was one of the most impactful brain-melting things for me. It kind of like you could see it escalating through the game. You know, it was like, oh, I'm going to eat this bread. Oh, I'm going to eat this rat or whatever it was. I can't remember. And then it's like, by the end of the game, spoilers, um, you, you eat the the lady. Um, and 
I, I liked that, that kind of, I don't know, I don't want to call it a descent into evil, but, you know, it, it, it pretty much is. Oh, yeah. And and the, the, the end sequence kind of reminded me of the end of Inside, in a way. It wasn't quite as interactive, but... Interactive. You know... No, but you you know what I mean in 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 the sort of you get your revenge yeah. in a way, and, and that's the sort of cathartic release, even if you're evil. Um, or yeah, I don't want to spoil inside. Uh, that was already <laughs> spoiled previously in another show. So if you want to go be spoiled, you can go check that out. We talked about it on the incomparable. <laughs> yes, we did. People always compare these games to Limbo and Inside, which are very apt. You play as children in a creepy environment. I don't think. They are as similar gameplay-wise as a lot of people would expect. Like you mentioned, Tiff, it, Inside and Limbo are so perfectly fine-tuned and like refined down to like the within an inch of its life where all the platforming feels really great. We've already talked about some of the platforming in uh, Little Nightmares. But the other thing is that people have called Little Nightmares a 2.5D game, and I extraordinarily disagree with that because when i think of 2.5d i think of limbo and inside it's a 3d environment but you literally can only move left or right there is that element of depth in little nightmares where you can move forward and backward into the foreground and background it's more like animal crossing in that way the camera is fixed and you move back and forth and up and down but not quite 2.5d to the point of you know the new super mario brothers games that are rendered in 3d but you can only go left or right or limbo or inside so just wanted to get that out there my gripe about the 2.5d moniker some people give to little nightmares yeah i think uh i worked that out fairly quickly and there was like some pipe or some ledge that i was trying to walk across and it's like well i'll just push the stick left except i wasn't 100 percent left and then it's like oh i've fallen off great so there's a lot of um silence in this game when you think about the sound design and and the music where you hear a lot of like slapping feet, <laughs> I call it slappy feet, because it is the exact sound of like children running across like wood floors <laughs> and they have the slappiest feet. So accurate. Um, the ship creaking noises, the water dripping, and then like every once in a while you do get kind of a creepy kid humming sound or some music playing. The gnomes have their very specific sounds. So I did want to talk a little bit about the music and the sound design, um, because that's kind of some of the best things when I'm playing a game like this, especially because I like to play a game like this at night, in the dark, alone, and like really feel like I'm very immersed in, even though it's just like a cartoony kind of game, it's not, you know, steeped in realism, but that's how I like to play. So a lot of these little indications these little triggers these little uh soundscapes that they create sometimes add just so much depth and beauty to a game and i think that little nightmares absolutely has that and anyone who enjoys games like that is, is they're just going to be uh delighted by it yeah i wouldn't say it's beauty but the sort of breath noises and things when you're in a room and there's something <laughs> looking for you or whatever there's also um i don't know about on the switch but on on the ps5 the um controller vibrates when your heart's beating it's trying to increase your own heart rate by playing you a heart rate <laughs> i don't actually remember i mean i remember the title music and i'm trying to remember music in the game and i'm i'm sort of like i think i was just so hyper focused on whatever it was that was trying to eat me at that particular moment. <laughs> There's a moment where you turn on a TV to distract a monster. Hmm. And when you turn on that TV, there is a very creepy, very like in the background, but something you can notice if you want, uh, like nursery rhyme. And it's one of those extraordinarily creepy moments where you listen. It does. It's not really real lyrics or real language that you hear. It's just like <laughs> in that creepy little nightmares way, like dilapidated roll doll style, um, creepy children's content. Um, I loved it. I absolutely loved noticing that on like my third or fourth try of distracting this monster with a TV and running away. I was like, oh, that's what is playing in there. Cool. <laughs> the death sounds also. So I have a question. Are you dying or are you being captured? 
because it kind of looks like you're having your neck wrung or something, but I don't know if that's just me projecting onto it because it fades to black. When the uh, long arm man or someone grabs you, I feel like you're being captured, but I mean, you're deaf dead when like you fall <laughs> off a ledge. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I feel that child should be able to fall a bit further than they do. (laughs) I did find I was testing the limits of the um, of the fall damage because there were a couple times I was like, "Whoa, I got up! (laughs) I thought I was a goner." (laughs) But they make you linger on the floor for just that extra second, and they're like, "I'm warning you." Yeah, do that one (laughs) more sprite higher, and you're done for. There's a really great sense of not being able or of being able to escape from monsters if they see you. Whereas, like you mentioned, you can be captured and the screen fades to black and you maybe aren't dead. But the game is giving you another chance from there because there's no chance of escaping that. There are times where if a monster sees you and is running toward you, part of what gives you a really great rush of adrenaline when that happens is the fact that it is actually possible to run away and escape and hide in a hole or behind a thing and get away. Whereas other games, like other horror games I've played, the first instant a monster sees you, they run toward you. It's kind of scary, ah, whatever. And then uh, it fades to black in that way. This game actually gives you just enough of a chance to run away and hide from the monster after you've been seen or heard that you have a sense of, if I run fast enough and try really hard and get my heartbeat involved in this in the same way that the game is, you know, giving me the heartbeat and the vibration, that I can get away. And I loved that about the game. In terms of uh, sound effects, I think one of the ones was where, uh, with the Long Island Man, I think it was you had to get a handle and you put it on a thing. And I started turning the handle and it started squeaking. And I was like, oh. I, I know I know what you're doing now. So I've got to like turn this, then run away and hide, and then it's going to gradually go down again. I think that it was very, I mean, like everything in this, the atmosphere is so good. And that's why I kept playing. The scale is really interesting to me, how small you are as the little children playing characters and how large everything else is well the uh, long-armed man you know the the enemies that you encounter as well as like the scenery the furniture and stuff like you have to pull yourself up onto a chair uh it's not regular chair height for your person it's <laughs> it's all very oversized and very large that at first surprised me that you know you're supposed to be like this little humanoid child and then everything else is so large and I I delighted in that a little bit. It kind of reminded me of um, like playing like a Half-Life map, like rats, where you're just like tiny and running around and you can enjoy the large scale of things. But then at times, like some things felt like disproportionate to me, like the a lot of the toys and like the nursery room. It's like they're big, but they're also supposed to be for these children that are very small and so it's just like but they made these accidental big toys you know everything's kind of decayed and and decrepit and so like and very dark like when you talk about the art style they have used a lot of focus light to guide you in the gameplay but overall a lot of the scenery is very dark and in in shadows so sometimes even the scale just feels distorted just by the darkness but yeah the art style was it was whimsical and intimidating at the same time i did like that you got a torch in the dlc and you could shine that thing around and i mean yes you get the 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 lighter yeah i was gonna say was that a lighter or a candle and i was thinking why does a kid have a lighter kids shouldn't <laughs> smoke um but <laughs> it was yeah the, when you actually had a torch that you could sort of point at things and and sort of that kind of in some ways diffused the tension a little bit and in some ways i think added more tension because you're like i'm gonna shine this torch over there and there's gonna be something horrible waiting for me in the vein of shining the flashlight somewhere and uh, having something terrible uh, there i love that there are no jump scares in this game you see everything there are some things that may startle you but it's not like you will shine the light somewhere actually experience a jump scare but the game makes you think that 
And my favorite horror movies do not have any jump scares. The Witch, Hereditary, uh, Midsummer, all those different movies. Zero jump scares. All that's happening is on the screen. Really terrifying, really scary. Whereas like a slasher with a knife coming at you, not something that is usually my bag. But in this game in particular, with the flashlight and the DLC giving you more chances to look around in those corners you couldn't see, really heightened the tension in a way where I was expecting a jump scare and I'm really grateful that there were zero. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there were a few places like where you, there was one one of the sort of vents that you go through, and you can get grabbed, and that was a that that scared me, but because I wasn't <laughs> expecting it, I forgot about that one. That's kind of a jump scare for sure. I got scared by a little shadow boy, just like like a little shadow bird, like a child, and I was like, because oh, I didn't notice it at first, and uh, I I think I scared myself because I wasn't paying attention to part of the screen. Um, but talking about like moments and and spots that we've liked the gameplay of or just the story progressing whatever but favorite moments in general so james do you have any favorite moments that you that stand out to you that we haven't mentioned yet yeah i mean the the for me i mean i don't know if it counts as moments or story or puzzle or whatever but the second and third chapters of the dlc i really liked because they're kind of a different slightly more emphasis on puzzle like the there's the sort of like mansion bit that you're in and you're sort of going into all these side rooms and solving puzzles and getting like the little statues to put on the, the pedestals. And then no, the other bit that I was thinking of that I really liked that so sort of my favorite part of, of the game was collecting all the gnomes. Like to get them all like you needed quite a lot of those guys. There was like twelve or something of them. To get, you know, the coal firing into the boiler fast enough. And I, I just like that kind of that whole sequence of like I need to get these two down here and and I can use these two and now and I can get into this bit. And it was that whole kind of just, I felt like I was building a family there. <laughs> if that was like the biggest multi-step puzzle in the game and that was yeah. all in the DLC. So yeah, I did like that too, that this is the first time um, that you saw that you had to like kind of go backwards and forwards yeah. in the ship and move around a little bit more. I don't want to say sandboxy, but you had access back to things that you had already gone through in order to continue on to move forward and solve the puzzle. Whereas I think in the main game, it was pretty linear. Like the amount of times that you went back was minimal. I believe there was a couple, but not as extensive as as that moment. Yeah. Whoever designed that section, gold stuff. Brian, do you have any favorite standout moments? I am echoing James in that all my favorite moments are from the DLC. I like the first game a lot, enough to keep playing and do the DLC. I think the DLC is way better than the main game. Yeah. Uh, the Thing in the Water, which I believe is canonically called Granny by the developers. Granny was my favorite villain in the entire game. I love that sequence. I loved how scared it wa- I felt. I loved the ultimate resolution of having to push the TV into the water. I loved the really tight platforming. I think it got better in that moment. I felt like I had to take a shower after being in that water in that really enclosed space with all the furniture and everything and then of course granny showing up and grabbing you and tearing down all the different platforms i think the moment like james i loved the gnome puzzle i loved being able to explore that entire area find the gnomes hug them in a different way than you would in the main game like you have to bring them along with you and you know bring them over to the main coal thing so you can you know go up in that bucket the uh, that place was where the switch version ran the worst where the uh, frame rate really dripped with all the different like gnomes throwing coal into the thing to get the thing moving really took a dip thankfully there weren't any real gameplay areas it's just a little hub world and then in the main game my favorite villain was the uh, masked lady and having her come back in the third part of the dlc was fantastic i love that mansion exploration area Uh, i loved all the puzzles involved i loved how scary it was didn't really like the flashlight combat that was really (laughs) difficult for me was so difficult (laughs) like the getting it precise it that's i think the mechanics of it were more difficult than like implementing the mechanics were more difficult than that the actual gameplay i i spent like a long time on that and you know we were texting back and forward on that one and it was like have you beaten them yet and i was like are you in the second or third section and tiff replies i'm in the first section <laughs> oh just the aim was so off like i had such a hard time i don't know if it was the controller i could blame the controller <laughs> like it's, it's, it's glitching out uh 
I don't I don't know if it if it was actually because it was like on the switch or not, like if it was extra tricky. I don't know. But I was having a very hard time. I'm glad to hear that everyone had a little bit of a tricky time with that. And then when I got to that final bit of it and there was a stupid wheel and I was like, oh, great, I've got to do the wheel, dispatch more children, do more wheel. And then I would run over to the thing and the wall would have come up like just a fraction too much. I, I did not enjoy that section. That was, I think, my most favorite and least favorite sections are in that DLC. The Shadow Children were the only things where I was like, oh, God, more of this. I wish there was fewer of it. No spoilers for Little Nightmares 2. There is a little bit more combat in that style with some imprecision around the implementation. It's not terrible. I think it's worse in the first game than the second game, but there is some more like, oh, I have to spend some time, you know, fighting these characters a little bit as you move through the story. That's something I wish they did a little bit less of. It was more puzzle-based. So for my favorite moments, I don't know how you both didn't bring up this based on your intros, the sausage puzzle. That (laughs) was the best. Like, I was so delighted it's in the main game i'll explain (laughs) just to remind everyone who's listening and uh my fellow co-gamers here um so it's the part in the main game where you are in the kitchen and you need to swing across somehow to get to like this little window that's uh, across and and what's in front of you is a giant meat grinder a dumbwaiter and you're like, I don't know what you do. So you end up having to crawl up the dumbwaiter and you go into kind of the refrigerator area and you have to find all of these like ham hocks and you have to get them on this trap door and then open the trap door. It falls into the meat grinder and then you have to operate the meat grinder to make this string of sausages that comes down that you then have to jump onto and swing into the the the... <laughs> into the door across the way and that was very good it was brilliant oh my gosh it was so i just i didn't really think about it because the way the gameplay works a lot of the times you're just kind of like finding the next thing you can interact with and that's what's kind of leading you into solving a lot of these puzzles but when i figured out that that's actually what i was doing because i it wasn't a oh i'm in this room and now i figure oh i need to make sausage and swing across like that wasn't I didn't have the goal in mind when I was accomplishing the mini tasks in order to get to the main goal. But when I found out that that is what I am doing and the sausages came out, I'm like, I have to swing on the sausages. This is amazing. (laughs) When I did that, I made one sausage first and then I didn't have enough meat to make more sausages. So I then had to go on a meat hunt. And... (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah, once I got one sausage out and there was like that little, uh, hatch on the other side, it's like, okay, I, I need to do this. Uh, I like the way you said ham hocks to kind of like, uh, emotionally distance yourself from bits of children or whatever. Well, were. at that point we weren't quite sure what the meat was made out of, but it, it's like you take this creepy game and it still finds moments where it makes you laugh and you're a little bit delighted by like the creepy weird things that you have to do in order to get through and not be like eaten or killed or anything like there's <laughs> there's so much drama and fear and nightmares involved in this game but yet they have a sausage puzzle like it's so great and like they have minecart levels <laughs> you know like yeah. every game needs a minecart level got to throw that in there and i think for the seasoned gamers in us like every time there's a minecart level i can't help but smile and be like these developers know, they know what's up like anytime they reference something um another part that i liked that really stood out it, not for the delight reason but more for the terror was um the shoe room i was really yeah. taken aback by that like falling into that room and then having like the creepy shoe monster kind of following you through and like throwing the shoes up and just the fact that where are all these shoes coming from are they the patron shoes that you find out later like i think back are they children's shoes which is like extra upsetting they're quite big for shoes that was the thing they were like oversized shoes right so that's why i'm like i'm a a child like the the playable character like we're the child here and they're not my size shoes or my little like naked slappy feet it they look bigger right so they have to be the patron shoes so maybe that's an argument for that like the meat is the patrons from the boat i don't know um but yeah the shoe room really stood out i i think that there's a lot of those scenes in this where the details like the little background details really um 
you, you can see the work that a lot of the artists in this game put into it. So overall, um, any closing remarks? Developers, I'm talking to you. Not you, James. You're good. <laughs> if you're ever doing a complete version of a game with all the DLC included, have better leveling systems, have better menu systems, have better ways of organizing the stories and the content and things. I was so confused about how to get from Six's story, at least on the Switch, to the kids' story and how the saves synced over if there's anything else I had to do. Please do better, developers. Life is Strange is miserable about this. All of the individual episodes being different pieces of DLC for the previous episode, absolutely miserable. Developers need to be better about that. You made an amazing game. Um, the thing I would say uh, that we didn't discuss was the possible identity of Six, um, which was one of the theories on the on the internet, which seems entirely plausible that she is in fact the daughter of the lady, because there is pictures of a child in the lady's room that looks could be Six, and I think one of the theories was like the reason that she's like so obsessed with you know mirrors and beauty and all that was that you know her her child was more beautiful so she got cast down into the the ship and then when she perhaps kills her own mother that takes on a whole different level of uh, meaning i love getting into the fan theory and having room for fan theory i think that that ends up spiking a lot more fun and interest and excitement mm. when when that's out there because yeah like who is this person what are they doing why is this happening it it's all very mysterious in this game and I, and I like that they left that intentionally mysterious I was going to say since the sequel is a prequel Brian might know the answers to these questions I'm now looking at Brian's face to see if he knows <laughs> we're not going to we might have another show about it so we won't spoil ourselves cuz no I just content come on <laughs> I would like to give a small preview of Little Nightmares 2 from a very meta level. No spoilers. I think Little Nightmares keeps getting better and better and better and better the more they make these games and the more they spend time in this world. The main game was great. The DLC was, I think, even better. Little Nightmares 2 is extraordinary compared to these it runs great on the switch tiff feel free to keep playing in handheld mode in the dark with headphones i can't get my sweet sweet achievements no more switch sorry okay fine play somewhere <laughs> else get your achievements i think that little nightmares 2 really refines everything we've talked about so far from the first game in a much better way the elephant in the room that i have not brought up once yet is that i was not very scared by little nightmares 1 thinking back on it and looking back at like walkthrough videos and things i'm like oh yeah that is really creepy it got under my skin at night when i was trying to sleep in the moment i never like screamed or was startled or anything little nightmares 2 is genuinely terrifying in ways that i don't think i've ever seen a game do highly highly recommend i that actually made me scream a few times and <laughs> really really got in my skin when i was trying to fall asleep after playing it the first game i played through over the course of maybe a week main game and dlc the second game is a lot longer and i played through the entire thing in two days it's fantastic i really want to do an episode about it with you too if you wanted to play it but we do want to play it. that's why oh i'm absolutely one. playing it absolutely you're gonna love it <laughs> so i did want to have a couple little fun facts here at the end about this game it was originally titled hunger which i thought was interesting but they changed it to not be confused with the hunger games <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that game about the hunger what was it called <laughs> Uh, it was nominated for many indie game awards and won one at um, GamesCon. So that was uh, that's pretty great. And um, like I said, I mentioned in um, our show that there is a tie-in comic um, if anyone is interested in finding that. And the iOS game, which I discovered today, The Very Little Nightmares, which I haven't looked at yet. Yeah, James texted us about there is a, a little iOS game, which I'm looking forward to checking out because i'm very into this as a whole franchise i'm excited about the playing the the prequel sequel and i'm happily delighted with how this game turned out and and that's why i think we were very eager to have a show about it we were planning on doing a single show about both games but i think we all agree that there is plenty to talk about about this one alone 
So I want to thank this group of gamers for joining me on our disturbing journey through this game. So thank you, James Thompson. Thank you for having me and suggesting this. Um, I now want to play the sequel where you play as six and go through the world like draining it of life. <laughs> and thank you, Brian Hamilton. Thank you. Is that your gnome voice? That was my gnome voice. (laughs) (laughs) And so hopefully we will all return in the not-so-distant future to discuss the prequel sequel to this game, Little Nightmares 2. But at least now we know we were the nightmare all along. Me. Hide in a cover, but not in the oven. I don't wanna go in that pot. They got bubbling. Gotta be sleeping.